my mom made a call to Chef Papadon, who they had become good friends, and said, look, I got this boy with potential, but he needs to get right. We need to break him down and build him back up. So I got sent to New Orleans at 16 years old for a summer, and it was literally a culinary boot camp and life boot camp. Welcome to Homemade from All Recipes. I'm Marty Duncan. Every week on this podcast, we celebrate the idea that some of our favorite family dishes have really interesting backstories. And today, I'm talking to a chef who can trace his culinary history from northern Spain to Mexico to New York City and then New Orleans, where today his restaurant, Johnny Sanchez, combines Mexican flavors with New Orleans-style hospitality. For years, my fans have been asking me why my quesadillas and enchiladas would always taste better than theirs. And I want to let you in on a little secret. It's all about the queso. You may know James Beard Foundation Award winner Aron Sanchez from everybody's favorite show, Food Network's Chopped, or maybe from Fox's MasterChef, where he teams up with British chef Gordon Ramsay as a judge on the popular competition cooking series. His latest book is a memoir with recipes, of course. It's an inspirational look at his life, his food, and his family. It's called Where I Came From, Life Lessons from a Latino Chef. Aron, welcome to homemade thank you so much always a pleasure to see you darling and to hear your voice it's a big hug when i hear you you know what i mean so i'm so happy that you have me on i am so happy to have you on too you know you're one of my favorites and we have had some fun together doing cooking shows you're just a party you're happy you're so much fun so i want to start with like some personal questions before we dive into the cooking how about that I'm okay with that. Absolutely. I'm an open book, darling. Okay. Well, let's start with the obvious. I've seen a picture of you with no shirt on and you got like a million tattoos. How many do you have? Well, it's not really about as many as I have. It's more about the experience. I've been getting tattooed over 20 years and I started it just because I've always had a rebel nature to me. I've always wanted to go against the norm. No. Yeah, exactly. Believe it or not. So the tattoos were a way to express myself, whether through my family or my culture and just cool imagery. That's really what tattooing is all about. So it's funny now how it's become so cliche that to be a young cook, you have to have a bunch of tattoos. That's true. I guess I was ahead of the curve. Now, which one was your first tattoo? Well, I had one on my back to honor my dad who passed away when I was about 13, 14 years old. And it was just something real straightforward and simple. His name and maybe a a crucifix or something like that. And then which one is your favorite? You know, I have a bunch from my son. I have his name on a couple places. And then I have one cool one on my leg that's his birthday, March 3rd, 2011. So I have a little baby rattler, like a rattler, like the old school. So most of your tattoos are celebrating your family, your love, your passion. They're a really good reminder of what you've been through, where you're going. And it's an experience. It's as much about having the hang, you know what I mean? Like some people like going and spend two hours at a hair salon or whatever and and talk and all that good stuff. When I go to the tattoo shop, that's how I feel about it. All right. You're also known as a music aficionado. Mm -hmm. And I know you always got music going. What does your playlist include? Well, I I am a mixed bag, darling. So I love me traditional mariachi music, the ranchera stuff to kind of get everybody going. But then I love old school 80s music because that was my era like yours. 
Oh no, <laughs> mine might have been a little. Oh. Back mine up just a little bit. Oh. I'm seventies all the way, all the way. I'm a seventies girl. I love that seventies music. I hear you. I like that too. And I got you know like Portugal and the Man. There's an artist named Amos Lee who I really love from Philadelphia. I love Amos Lee. I'm also a Texan. You know what I mean? So I love country music as well. Really? Yeah, I own cowboy boots. If you get cowboy boots, chances are they were made in El Paso. Now, that's something I did not know. Yes, ma'am. All right. Now, here's a good question for you. You have a private plane fueled up and waiting for you on the tarmac, ready to go anywhere you say. Where are you going? Oof. That destination changes quite a bit. But as of recent, where I want to go desperately is to go to northern Spain, to the Basque country, and visit where my ancestors are from. Oh, really? They're from a little town called Bilbao. They made their journey through the Caribbean back in the day and into Mexico. Really? So I would love to come and visit my ancestors in Spain. I want to go with you. Yeah, honey, don't worry. You know we'll have a ball. We go together. All right. That sounds amazing. I really didn't know that your ancestors were from that region region of Spain. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fascinating. And it's a huge culinary area, the Basque region of Spain. Absolutely. They have these wonderful, cool little culture of of male supper clubs where all the men get together and they all cook together and drink cider, sidra, and cook octopus simple on the grill. And they have all these beautiful little traditions up there in the northwest of Spain, which is really cool. I love that. I wish there was more of that here. That's fascinating where the men get together, fire up the grill to sit just the men and talk and... Yep, and kick back, yeah. And they all talk, you know, and it's a good time. So we're getting to grilling season right now. What would you throw on the grill if you're having a backyard barbecue for family or friends? So right now, if I were going to throw something on the grill, I'm going bone-in rack of short ribs, low and slow, get back into my Texas roots and go that route with some Texas beef. Walk me through the preparation on that. Do I marinate it? Do I just... Dry rub... I'm one of those people that don't like to put salt on my rubs till I have to cook. I noticed that. Yeah, the salt will pull out the moisture. If you want some dry ancho chili powder, tons of fresh cracked pepper, maybe some more of those little sort of aromatic spices like fennel and maybe a little bit of cumin. Like, have fun with that because a short rib can take big flavor. Then you do your dry rub, have it at room temperature, and then put it on the grill low and slow for what, 20 minutes per pound or something like that? Yeah, just about that. Now you have like the green eggs and the Traegers and all this good stuff out there that can allow you to be very economical with how much charcoal you're spending. That's the one thing that people don't need to kind of understand is like, yeah, you buy a big green egg and it's pricey, but you end up saving the money on the charcoal on the long end. I never really thought about it that way, but that's a good point. So due to the coronavirus, COVID-19, everybody is at home and cooking a whole lot more than we typically allow ourselves time to do. I know you've also been out helping the farmers. Will you tell us a little bit about what you've been involved with during yeah, the lockdown. So basically I was out here shooting season 11 of Master Chef, and then the circumstances obviously made it stop. So we kind of got through half of the production and then I took it upon myself to quarantine with me and my uncle, you know, Theo and my family. And so I ended up spending about two months out here in Los Angeles before I came back to New Orleans. So during that time, we have great connections with family restaurants here in Los Angeles. And then we figured out that we can go out there and visit with farmers. 
and bring food to them as a way of saying thank you to them because they have been an essential lifeline to all of us throughout this whole time. The farmers have not stopped, by the way. Everything that you go to the store and you purchase, people are still working. I think it's maybe the last group of people we think about as being on the front line. But in terms of our supply chain and getting food to us, the farmers are in the front lines. So I appreciate you saying thank you and going out into the farms and taking care of those folks. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, You know, and for me, I never look for accolades or a pat in the back. That's not me. I'm very humble and that's not my style. One of the things I would ask people that follow your show and and all the things that we do, the only thing I would ask you guys is support our restaurants. Come over there and spend money. That's all I need you to do. And that's the biggest thank you you can give us and our team. Well, for those of you who have never been to Johnny Sanchez, let me tell you what, it is an experience. It is so much fun. Aron's fun anyway, so you know his restaurant would be fun. But it's serious food, serious flavor. Absolutely. You've got the spirit and the heart of New Orleans. Yeah, and I want to be clear for people that are trying to get their head around what we do at the restaurant. We're not a Mexican-Louisiana restaurant, so it's not like I'm putting, you know, shrimp etouffee tacos on. That's not what we do. We're a traditional Mexican restaurant with modern technique, utilizing the best ingredients possible. But what we do is we utilize Louisiana product, obviously. And what we bring to that is that awesome sense of Southern hospitality, which is undeniable and is the best in the world. You know, putting other people's needs before yours, fulfilling that and that giving you joy. That's what hospitality is. You know, people may not know this, but you have a long history with New Orleans way before you started Johnny Sanchez. Tell me a little bit about your experience with Paul Perdue. Yeah, you know, I alluded earlier with the tattoos about my father, sadly passing very young. As a young man, I kind of reacted poorly to that and was incorrigible and rebelled and maybe wasn't doing the right things. And it's all very well documented in my memoir where I come from. Uh, So hopefully y'all can pick that up. But I was looking for direction. I was looking for guidance and mentoring. My mom made a call to Chef Paul Prudhomme, who they had become good friends, and said, look, I got this boy with potential, but he needs to get right. We need to break him down and build him back up. So I got sent to New Orleans at 16 years old for a summer, and it was literally culinary boot camp and life boot camp. And then he became obviously my mentor, but a father figure, And then I came back when I was 18 to live for a year. And that's where I got bit by the bug of New Orleans. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your memoir. I love the story about your mom making the mole. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? That's so charming and such a sweet story and a sweet food Thank memory. Thank you for saying that. You know, my mom and I, we just started our own podcast. Not competing with yours, darling. Okay. But um, it's going to be on Heritage Radio. It's called Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. So my first initial I on, and my mom's name is Sarela with a Z. So we're going to cover all different ingredients in the Mexican vernacular and world. And then what we're going to do is teach people about how to use the ingredients, give them some background, and then pepper in a bunch of stories. So one of them is the mole that you alluded to. So I remember back in the day, early 80s, we used to have to go back to El Paso, Mexico, and we were like ferrying ingredients back. We were like chili mules. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like... Yes, I do know. We couldn't get the ingredients in New York City. So my mom would kind of charge us with going there, visiting with family, and then we would bring back ingredients with us. 
Let me just make sure people understand that. Your mom had a restaurant in New York City. She's quite a legendary restaurateur in her own right. So she's not just a cook. She was a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, we had the restaurant for close to 30 years. And you got to remember, my mom, at that time, people had no idea what Mexican cuisine was all about. They thought it was all about, like, cheesy, crappy combo platters and all that. But my mom was really making a very concerted effort to elevate the cuisine. And subsequently, she had a beautiful run of almost 30 years with her namesake restaurant called Tarelas. In New York, right? Yeah, in New York City. Imagine that, being a single mom, a pair of twins, you know what I'm saying, twins, $5,000 to your name, going to New York City and putting all of it on yourself. She's a force of nature, you're yeah. saying. And that's why I'm very, I gravitate towards strong women like yourself, obviously, and women that handle their business, because I just identify with that so much, because I have my mom as that example. We'll have more with Chef Aron Sanchez right after the break. Welcome back to Homemade. I'm Marty Duncan, and today I'm talking with Chef Aron Sanchez. Tell us that mole story, if you don't mind. So my mom, we lived in this little apartment building. Kevin Nealon, for all you old schoolers that was on Saturday Night Live, lived in our building, and my mom started to make mole, and part of the process is toasting the chilies and kind of extracting the essential oils. It ended up being a complete show. Smoked out the house and the building. People evacuated the house thinking that there was a fire. But in essence, it was just my mama making molding. <laughs> so we're out there sitting in our pajamas, looking at the building, and people are like, oh my God, what's going on? And we're like, hey, y'all, we're just making molding. Not a big deal. You know what I mean? Hey, Kevin Nealon, we're just making mole up here. Don't worry about us. Exactly. That is such a great story. What is your favorite food memory or your favorite recipe from growing up with your mom? I have so many. I think there's the stuff that my mom did at the restaurant, which I love and still a big part of my life. But for me, when I wanted some home cooking and a dish that I craved, it was a dish called sopa seca, which translates dry soup. And basically what it is, is you take like, you know, fideos or alphabet pasta, and then you would toast them with some olive oil, kind of get it nutty. And then you would add a puree of roasted tomato, garlic, onion, and cilantro. After you roasted it, then you would puree that and add that to that mixture of toasting pasta. And then you would add stock. So you're almost cooking it like a risotto. Like a risotto, yeah. Yeah, so you'd add stock till it gets nice and soupy but it has that texture. And then at the end, you just finish it with great cotija cheese. And it's like this warm, comforting risotto, pasta-like dish. Oh, that sounds so good. I'll make it for you, darling. Okay, I'm going to take you up on that one for sure. So when you get together with your family now, what does your family crave from you? I tell everybody, because we know I have a big refrigerator or whatever, I said, look, we got post-it. So if y'all want something, y'all just write it and put it on the post-it. And when I come and get my coffee in the morning or whatever and go work out, I'll go look at it and be like, okay. And it's funny because I'm always like, all right, let me see all the different post-its. One of them lately has been, because we're in this situation, a lot of one-pot dishes. So my whole thing is I want to make sure that we're not having no food waste. So I'm buying things whole. I'm buying chickens whole. I'm buying fish whole. I'm taking the bones and making stock and then making soup. So 
everything that we do, we have to be more attentive and considerate to the way that people are living right now. Tell me a little bit about like, say, for example, you're going to make me a one pot chicken dish. How will we start that? I think it's a bad move to find a recipe and go to the store and buy the ingredients for that recipe. Why? Because inevitably you buy too many ingredients and you have waste because you have to do this particular thing. So what I do is I have a whiteboard at my house right by my kitchen, and then I put down proteins. So I'll put pork chops, hanger steak, fish fillets, shrimp, la la la, and then I'll do another area of vegetables, turnips, butternut squash, then I'll do legumes or starches, lentils, rice, whatever, and then sauces. Then I'll start to take all those different categories and make dishes at home. So I was reading your blog earlier and you had some really good tips for the home cook on your blog. And there was a few surprises in there for me. You need to rinse the canned items. I never knew that. Also, you open a hot sauce. This is just me. I don't put it in the dry cupboard. I put it in the fridge. Right. Because you've broken that seal. Right. So it needs to be kept at the right temperature. So those are some Little tips I would say to everybody. You just said the word can, which reminds me, every time I hear it, it makes me think of you because you always say you're a Mexican. How did you get that catchphrase? I'm a Mexican, not a Mexican. I got it. It's all about making it happen. You know what I mean? People that know me know I'm always in a good mood. I'm always willing to give somebody a hug. And well, right now, maybe a six foot hug. Elbow. Yeah, a little elbow, but. For me, it's like I'm living a blessed life. I never thought when I started this that I'd have such an impact in people's lives. So I feel it's my duty to make sure that I'm always in a good mood and taking care of myself and feeding myself with information so I can continue to grow and help people out, you know, and that's one of the big things that I try to do every day when I wake up and have little little missions, you know what I mean? I know that you are a big influence in the Hispanic community because you show people what's possible, but you take it further than that. You have a foundation that you started to help provide scholarships. I'm so impressed by that. It's just something I really admire that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about the Aron Sanchez Scholarship Foundation. Let our listeners know a little bit about what you're doing. I felt when I started cooking 25 years back, whatever, even more than that, but I felt there was a disparity between leadership roles in kitchens of people of Hispanic descent. And as I started to grow this platform and be able to reap a lot of the benefits of hard work, I wanted to make sure that I gave back to the industry that has been so generous and impactful in my life. So I started thinking about what is the most important thing, planting seeds education, making sure that we're prepping the next generation to succeed. That's the biggest gift we can give. So I wanted to start identifying young talent, making sure that they had the resources and the education and the foundation to succeed. Because I didn't want there to be any excuses as far as them excelling along the ladder. And if a culinary education was something that was required for young Latinos to succeed, then I'm going to provide that. And Apart from getting the best culinary education, which is an 11-month program at ICC in New York City, who have been fantastic partners for me since 2016, we have about 10 kids enrolled. We're going to probably put another three in this year. Apart from the education, they also get access to real-life experiences. They get hands-on, and then they get access to this unbelievable network of peers and chefs and people that I know and respect and admire 
so they can start making good decisions about where they want to go. So something like what Paul Prudhomme did for you, you're trying to do for them. Exactly. I got it. So you're paying it forward that way. I think that's just so important. One thing you said, I know a lot of you listening maybe have kids who grew up watching a lot of food television and maybe are talking to you about a culinary career, maybe not your first choice for them. And as people in the industry, we realize it is a lot harder than it looks on television. What advice would you give to parents whose kids are asking them to go to culinary school? One of the things that I would say would be, don't be afraid to tell your kids the honest truth. Just because you go to culinary school and you spend $30,000 a year, be realistic. You're not going to come out of there and be a chef. You're going to have to still pay your dues. So I think that's one thing that needs to be expressed. Right. The other big thing I think culinary schools need to do a better job of is you should be able to major. You go to a culinary program, you have six months of the basics, training, foundation flavors, stock sauces, the whole thing. Then I feel like you should be able to major in what area of food service you want to get into. You can be a personal chef. You can be a recipe developer. You can be a food stylist. You can be a caterer. You can be like what you do and put on events with a culinary point of view. What you should do is be able to be specific about what area of food service you want to go into. Because inevitably what ends up happening is young people are discouraged when they go work in the kitchen. They're working 12 hours a day for very minimal money and doing something monotonous and benign. So that's what I would suggest. Just be real with the expectation. One thing I've heard you say in the past, and I think this is a really important thing too, go work in a restaurant first. Yep. See if you like it. A lot of people don't have any clue what it's like to work in a restaurant, and it is a lot harder than you think it is. Absolutely. So as a home cook who tries to be creative and do something for family and friends that is interesting and different and not my same old Southern specialties, which everybody loves, but you know, you want to mix it up a little bit. Teach me one Mexican dish that I can cook that I probably never made before. Oh, that's a good one. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a flavor profile. How about that? Okay. It's a little hard to kind of teach it. I think the one thing that you could potentially do is My second cookbook, Simple Food, Big Flavor, there's a recipe that I have called Chipotle Love. And basically, it's roasted garlic. So you take garlic cloves, you kind of confit it either in cloves, you know, like a whole big head, and you roast in the oven, wrapped in foil, et cetera. Or you can just take peeled garlic cloves, put in olive oil, cook on the stovetop. Once that's confit, cool down. Puree that with the residual oil with half a can of chipotle and adobo, a handful of cilantro, lime zest. Puree that, and that is the most epic marinade. You can add mayonnaise to that and more lime juice and make a little dipping sauce. You can use that as a vinaigrette. So that would be my one little technique I can give y'all. The chipotle love. Five ingredients, and you'll love it. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. I am curious if you could go right now, because we have some restrictions and we're really not going like we used to, but if you could go to anyone else's restaurant right now, no matter where it is, where would you go and what would you order? See, I'm born. I go to the same restaurants all the time because I just know what I like. You know what I mean? Uh, Right now, oh, Lord, 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 Lord. There's a restaurant in New York City called Lupa. I go to this restaurant and I have the same thing every time. I go and I have an escarole salad with a little bit of shaved pecorino, red onion, and toasted walnuts. That'll be my first course. Then I'll have my cacio pepe, so pasta with just a little bit of black pepper and cheese. 
And then I'll have this beautiful dessert that's called a tartufo, which is basically like ice cream that's enrobed in a chocolate ganache that has a bunch of toasted nuts on the outside. It's like this little bomb of just ice cream goodness. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. Absolutely. I want that whole thing. I want that whole thing. Arone, tell me, what is your guilty pleasure, that one craving that you cannot deny? Well, for me, it has to be the late night quesadilla, okay? Always have uh, good Mexican cheese in my house. Cacique is the company I've been with for over 10 years. They're one of the biggest leaders in Mexican food brands in the country. So I always have good tortillas. I have great cheese and salsa in my fridge. So I'll get home from work late. I'll make a quick little quesadilla, and that's my guilty pleasure. You know, I make those a lot, too. Use my cast iron skillet for that, and that makes a great quesadilla. Oh, you ain't lying, honey. Anything can go in there. And I'm going to tell you, my cast iron skillets, I have a couple of them, but they're the most coveted things in my kitchen. I bet they're yours, too, no? Yes, my mother's cast iron skillet that she got when she got married. I still have it. I use it every day. It is 60-something years old, and it's so worn that the ring, the circle on the bottom of it is absolutely just burned off. It doesn't exist anymore. It's that old. I love it. And has been used that much. I'll show it to you one of these days. There's a great tradition in Mexico is when you have a young bride-to-be, and she's about to get married. The older woman in the family would give that young bride to be a mocajete, like a beautiful old mortal and pestle volcanic rock. And that would be passed to the young bride as a way of saying, I've cooked great salsas in this little mortal and pestle. This is for you. That is so lovely and so wonderful. I would be hard pressed to give away one of my skillets, but maybe I'll... Well, I don't have any children, so I, I would be hard-pressed to give away one. But I will say, you've given me an idea. I think I'll get a couple of extras and start seasoning them up good. And when my nieces get married, have those to give to them. What a great idea. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Aron Sanchez, you are a joy and a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today on All Recipes Homemade Podcast. Thank you, darling. Big hug to you, okay? Big hugs, and y'all stay well. Love you. All right, darling. Aron Sanchez's new memoir is Where I Come From, Life Lessons from a Latino Chef. His website is chefaronsanchez.com. You can find him on Instagram at chefaronsanchez and on Twitter at aronsanchez. And the next time you're in New Orleans, be sure to stop by his restaurant, Johnny Sanchez. Coming up on the next episode of Homemade, the one, the only, the godmother of soul herself, Miss Patty LaBelle. I said, Patty, hi, it's Reggie. I said, oh, hi, Reggie. I said, what's up? He said, I want you to come to my show tonight. I said, who are you opening for? He said, I'm Elton John now. I said, what? Anyway, we recorded a song at the Red Piano in Vegas. After it was finished, I said, Elton, here's your rings. He left them on the piano. He said, that's for your Tupperware. Instead of giving me back Tupperware, he gave me a diamond. We are going to have so much fun. You definitely don't want to miss it. So please subscribe to the podcast right now and leave us some feedback while you're there. Don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, 
edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with executive editor Jason Burnett. Thanks to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Tanya Ott, and Maya Croft. Thanks for listening. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade. Homemade.